Welcome to the Faith and Culture Now podcast. I'm Scott Schiffer, and today I am joined by Michael Dennis. Michael, good to have you. Uh, it's good to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on, but uh, we're glad to have you back on the show again. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, essentially uh, the idea of um, redeeming social media. And so I wanted to just sort of open with uh, some of your thoughts on, uh, you know, sort of the big overarching question around how we as Christians redeem social media. Well, um, so this question came out of, um, really, we, we had a Disciple Now weekend at our church this last weekend for our student ministry, and um, I'm, I'm the youth pastor, and so uh, with along with all of the, you know, administrators administrative work and, and the leadership roles that I, that I have uh, at a couple of different times, I got to actually just sit down and listen. And our, our senior associate pastor, Jordan, preached. And um, at one point, he was talking about engaging with culture. And he said, you know, there's this temptation. And he took us back to Genesis 1, 28. And I'll just, I'll just read that. Um, it's a pretty familiar passage to, to a lot of us if we've grown up around the Bible. Um, this is in the garden of Eden, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Um, and so this, this be fruitful and multiply this bill, be fruitful and increase in number. Um, a lot of us in, in biblical studies would call this the cultural mandate. So to go out and to take the raw materials of what God has made and make something out of it. Um, and that's part of our, our being in the image of God. And Jordan, our, our senior associate pastor, said that there are, you know, there are two temptations uh, with, with culture and, and Christianity. Because, you know, if, if it was just Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, uh, no, no issues, right? But because Genesis 3 has happened, we live in a sinful, broken world. And culture has things within it that uh, God is opposed to, that God clearly says in his word are not okay. And so the question is, what do we do uh, as Christians with culture? And the two temptations are to be either anti-culture, to view all of culture as, as evil, uh, and to just distance ourselves from it, not engage with it, or to assimilate, another A word, to assimilate into the culture and just look no different than anyone else. Uh, it's a conversation we have a lot um, on this on this podcast that Scott you have with 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 us as as co-hosts around lots of different issues. But the issue I wanted to apply this to today, if we could, is um, one of the big hurdles or or struggles that I face in ministering to students is social media, um, and even as a as a ministry, us trying to engage with students. How do we use social media well? Social media is, is a technological advancement of the humanity has, has you know, brought about, right? That God has allowed to happen, um, that he's given us the giftings to make happen. And, and obviously it's a, it's a cultural uh, staple fixture, uh, foundational element of culture now. How do we as Christians engage with culture in a way that, uh, to use another passage that we talked about this weekend, 1 Peter 2, um, 11 and 12, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And I was also reminded of Jeremiah 29, where Jeremiah tells the people of Israel to work for the good of the city where God has, has placed you. Um, so all of that sort of coming together in this, this question of how do we engage in a particularly Christian countercultural way uh, on a, a medium with a medium that can be so destructive and so uh, anti-Christian in, in a lot of yeah. different ways. So that's my, that's, that's the starter. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. I, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of negativity in social media. Uh, mm-hmm. You see people using it to um, take advantage of others, to bully others, to, um, you know, be rude to one another. I mean, people say stuff on social media, they would never say to someone's actual face. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you do see quite a bit there. Plus not to mention, you know, all the different um, uh, just not really appropriate messages and stuff that you get on social media. There's a lot of, um, I, I mean, if you just look at uh, the pornography industry, uh, which is a you know, billion dollar, you know, something billion dollar industry every year. And uh, you now have, you know, people using social media to promote themselves uh, and their pornography uh, on non-pornography websites, you know, with other social media trying to direct people towards the other stuff. And uh, uh, I think that, uh, so you, you do see quite a bit of, you know, just negativity at the same time, you see a lot of positivity. You see people talking about their struggles and attempting to help others. Um, you know, you see people talking about their weight loss journeys and here's how I, you know, here's what I did. And here's how, you know, you can maybe make some of these same uh, decisions and it'll help you a little bit. You see people talking about their depression and how they've overcome their depression and their anxiety. Um, you also see uh, a lot of great community building and I'm so encouraged uh, by the stuff I'm seeing on social media with regard to everything happening in Russia and Ukraine right now. And um, I'm encouraged because of the positivity. Uh, it's also a whole nother issue, the fact that this is sort of the first time we're really seeing a war unfold on social media, uh, which is a whole nother topic. But, um, you know, the, the, the technology itself isn't really good or bad. Uh, so the fact that we have social media is just a thing. And the way we use it determines whether it is a positive thing or a negative thing. And as Christians, I think we have a responsibility to, at least in how we contribute to it, how we contribute to making stuff on social media, I think we have a responsibility to be on the positive side of the spectrum. Um, At the same time, uh, we also have to ask ourselves, how does my participation in this particular social media affect my relationship with Christ, affect my relationship with others, and affect the cause of Christ. You know, if Christians see me doing this, or non-Christians see me doing this, uh, you know, what is that going to say about my integrity and the things I tell them I believe about God and the universe and everything else? So, um, uh, the other thing, uh, you, you mentioned the, the cultural mandate in Genesis one twenty-eight. Uh, which is essentially the idea to go and build something. And you, you also quoted in First Peter, uh, where Peter mentions uh, living among the pagans, and that is antithetical to this idea. And by the way, 
pagan for Peter was essentially just in society, right? Um, but um, the idea of living in culture, not separated or segregated from it, there's no real Christian call or biblical call to become an ascetic, right? And that's not to say that no one should be an ascetic. There's a, certainly a place for people to live that life, but that's not the call for most people. And, um, you know, we, I think oftentimes as Christians start thinking, well, I mean, I know people that go, I won't even walk into a movie theater because of all the sin that happens there. That's like, well, okay, but there's also a lot of good that happens there. And, you know, we're not being asked to, in scripture, be completely, um, in, you know, just, I guess, oblivious to, mm -hmm. to what's happening in culture. You know, if you can talk about a television show that everybody else in the office is talking about, uh, then sometimes you can use that show to bridge the gap uh, between them and the gospel. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes you can relate things in the show to things we deal with in real life. And it's nice to be able to join in those conversations because it also builds community. But there are probably some shows as Christians we shouldn't be having those conversations about because we shouldn't be watching. And so the, the real trick is knowing, you know, well, what parts of culture do we engage in? What parts do we not engage in? What do we embrace? What do we not embrace? Um, you know, I, I love TikTok. I think TikTok is a great platform and a lot of great stuff happens there. Unfortunately, a lot of bad stuff happens there as well. And I read uh, this morning uh, in a news article that um, there's a group that's looking to sue TikTok for uh, showing uh, harmful content to children in its algorithm, and um, which it probably does. Um, our kids aren't on TikTok because we know that there are things on there that are just not really appropriate for them to see yet. And so, um, and if it shows me stuff that would be harmful to a kid, like I'm not really thinking, oh, because it's not, my algorithm is very different. You know, my wife has an algorithm and I have an algorithm and my algorithm is a lot of people breaking OSHA laws and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, touching animals that you shouldn't be touching because they're dangerous. Right. And, uh, you know, my wife's algorithm has a lot more to do with, um, you know, just, all sorts of motherly things. So, yeah, and on that on that topic of of parenting, because this is obviously something you know from from the perspective of of what God has called me to right now that we that we deal with is okay as a parent, right, of, of any age child. You know, clearly your your two year old you know should probably not be on social media of, of any kind and probably doesn't know how to work it, but they do know how to work screens. And and this is a conversation that we have a lot is you know, from age two till about, depending on who you ask, 12, 13, 14, uh, and, and beyond that, but, but especially during those, those uh, ages, there's the, the brain is forming in a way that we're learning now when, when that brain is attached to a screen for a significant amount of time, um, it changes you. It, 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 help, it, it, it pushes the brain in a direction that it was never designed to go. And it produces all of these antisocial behaviors, uh, these inabilities to communicate with actual people, creates anxiety, all these sorts of different things. These studies are coming out now. And so the question I get asked by parents is, is when, right? Mm -hmm. When and then what? And I think one, one of our major issues that, that I'm, I'm realizing slowly in, in Western Christianity as a whole, but specifically American evangelical Christianity is we really like answers. Like we like things to be black and white. 
And we want to just have a, a blanket statement that we can make and then check that box and move on. And there are some things, uh, some, some foundational beliefs in our faith that we can do that with. Um, we can say that Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God and check that box and move on. And if you don't check that box, then we're probably going to draw a line there and say, you know, this, this is, we, we, we're after different things, right? Yeah. Something like social media or technology, uh, we just, we don't have black and white answers and it requires uh, wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. It requires wisdom. And we talk about the, the book of Proverbs and how that's, it's not a book of, of promises or black and white answers. It's a book of wisdom that's applied. It's, it's God's wisdom applied to all these different situations that are very unique, right? And very individualized. And so that's what I tell parents is, and this goes for adults as well. If, if social media is affecting your child or you in a way that is moving you away from the fruit of the spirit and toward the fruit of, of this world, right? That Paul talks about, if it's making you an angrier person, if it's making you a, a lustful person, if it's, if it's affecting you in a way that is counter to Christ, then you need to scale that back. Mm -hmm. Even, and you mentioned, you know, uh, asceticism, right? If it means that you need to cut it out of your life, then that's what it means. That, that, that whole gouging out your eye and cutting off your, your, your hand uh, is true, but it's going to look different for different people. It's and true. and yeah. some people are capable of engaging in these things, TikTok, Facebook. I've, I've learned that Facebook is for old people is what I'm told. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's very, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Right. But Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, obviously, and YouTube, the big five. There are ways, really good ways of, of sharing the gospel and building community. Um, but I do think that we have to be wise and watch ourselves and understand that uh, we don't have a mandate to be involved in social media. We have a mandate to be involved in culture. And that's for a lot of people that is going to mean being on social media, but mm -hmm. can we remain strangers and exiles while we're doing that um, and yeah. working for the good instead of working for self-promotion or promotion of something that is, is counter to the, to the kingdom. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the self-promotion is one that really gets gets me, you know, uh, because in order to become famous on social media, you have to really self-promote. Now, everybody on social media is not trying to become famous, right? So just because you're on social media doesn't mean that's what you're doing. But um, but there are a lot of the folks on, um, you know, TikTok that are using that platform to try to become famous. And then they're trying to push people to say YouTube because if they're on YouTube, they can get paid for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're trying to become YouTube famous or Instagram famous or, or whatever else. And, um, uh, you know, as Christians, it's, it's always inter interesting to me that, we're, you know, the scripture says in the New Testament in um, several places that we are to seek to live quiet lives mm. and work and enjoy life. And the more you see people in the spotlight, the more pressure they have, the more responsibility they have, the more people are looking at them, the more judgment they get. And, um, well, the more, well, the less they can enjoy life, really. You know, um, and even on social media, you see kids on social media and those kids have to film essentially everything they do. 
And, you know, I, I wonder sort of how that's going to affect a lot of these kids in the long run. I mean, we've seen enough kids on television shows, on Disney and other places that once they become adults, they go nuts, you know, and uh, um, end up dealing with all kinds of problems and struggles because of all the pressures they had as kids. And so then you see the same thing beginning to happen on social media now. And I really do worry about a lot of these kids and what they're going to have to go through uh, in young adulthood because of being so out there uh, in their formative years. And, um, and, and so I, I think there is something to us as Christians, not necessarily self-promoting or trying to self-promote on social media. Uh, but I do also think that um, being on social media uh, is, is also a way just to stay connected with people in your community. Uh, so um, right now, the president of Ukraine is staying connected with the people of his country through social media. Uh, yeah. More importantly, you know, here in the town I live in, the school board stays connected with the parents in our city through social media. And, uh, you know, there are social media pages about all kinds of stuff. I saw on uh, one of our city social media pages the other day, a woman put up a post that said, somebody rear-ended my son at a stop sign earlier. He got nervous and drove off. I'm sorry, he should not have drove off. We had a we had a talk about that. But mm. if you're the person who hit my kid, would you just please let me know so we can talk with you and your insurance? And lo and behold, somebody on there messaged her and said, I'm the one that hit your kid. He drove off, so I couldn't give him my info. Here wow. it is. And so um, it's interesting to see that, you know, you can use stuff like that for great good in, in the community. And um, it's also, you know, comforting to see people still willing to step up and say, hey, yeah, I'm the one that rear-ended this person. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just important to, to recognize that. But then, uh, as you're saying, you know, different things affect people differently. You know, if you set a glass of alcohol in front of me, well, I mean, not alcohol, nobody drinks just alcohol. If you <laughs> set a beer in front of me with alcohol in it, I would have no real desire to just pick it up and drink it. Um, it's just not there for me. Mm -hmm. But if you were to set that same drink in front of someone who's a recovering alcoholic, it can be very, very difficult for them. And um, so for those people, abstaining might be the best choice of action, you know. Um, in the same way uh, with social media, if you pick up Facebook, uh, you pick up your phone and get on Facebook, and you know, if you pick it up, you're going to be there three hours later. Maybe we shouldn't have the Facebook app on the phone. Uh, or you should set some kind of timer that when the timer goes off, you put it down and go do something else. Um, one of the things I've noticed about a lot of social media is that it's, it's designed kind of like casino slot machines in that they're always trying to hit you with the next story and the next thing. Uh, but there's never this like break. You know, when I was a kid, you would turn on He-Man or G.I. Joe in the afternoon when you got home <laughs> from school, right? And when the show was over, there's this big commercial break and no kid cares about all the commercials. So that's your time to get up and go do something else. Um, right. But even with streaming services now, you don't have the commercials. You can just stream from one episode to the next episode, no break. And so I think one of the things we really need to, to think about is this idea that there is no... Uh, in inherently in social media and streaming, 
there's no place where you go, okay, here's a cutoff point, here's a stopping place. And uh, because of that, people tend to spend way too much time on it. And that's what I think oftentimes leads to neglect of other responsibilities around the home. Uh, it leads to, um, you know, not accomplishing things you should be accomplishing for kids. It may be uh, not getting to your homework, you know, or uh, missing out on this other event with your family. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to sort of cultivate relationships, you know, for our family, uh, you know, for a lot of families, I think, you know, you typically tell your kids, like, we're not going to have our phones on at dinner. Uh, mm -hmm. And if we do watch something at dinner, we watch the show together as a family, uh, which sometimes you need that because sometimes everybody's just so wiped out. It's like, let's just eat, turn this on uh, and be together. We can talk about it as we eat mm -hmm. and um, just do that. When that's the case, we usually watch shows like, uh, you know, home restoration shows or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that that are not real, um, you know, uh, you don't have to be <laughs> fully focused on them, right? Uh, right. But, um, uh, you know, there's also, uh, you know, as parents, we put limits on our girls. You have this many hours a day on your phone and then all your apps stop working. Yeah. Why do all your apps stop working? Because you need to know that there's other things to do. Uh, we've also told uh, our girls, you know, look, if you want to watch, you know, YouTube videos, you have to do this on this devotional app first. Or, you know, um, uh, with regard to television, you know, it's like, well, you can watch a show, but you also have to read a book. So yeah. if you're going to choose to watch something, you also need to read something. And um, that way we're also, you know, letting the girls use their minds because you're using your mind and social media using mind on television, but it's not good to just veg out on a show for four hours. And so uh, anytime you're engaging in, in social media type stuff, which I know, so, so, when I say shows, I'm thinking not just like television shows, but, um, you know, shows that people do on YouTube as part of social media and that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, as Christians, it's okay to participate in these. Watch stuff that's uplifting. Watch stuff that's good. Uh, you know, don't, don't spend your time on social media uh, trying to, um, you know, just be involved in all the kind of things that promote stuff that is Christian. It's antithetical to Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's also good that, you know, for, for me on social media, I see a lot of uh, former um, pastors or pastors of other denominations uh, sharing things from their heart uh, that I go, oh, that's interesting. That's a new perspective on this particular passage of scripture. And I like, I like hearing that. And I like being able to think about that and then compare it to what I've read and what I've learned uh, to go, you know, am I thinking about this the right way? Uh, and so I, I think there's a lot of good there as well. So I'm not saying never watch or listen to things that have contrary views, uh, but I think we should not engage or simply give into all things that promote, and that's the key word there, promote mm -hmm. views contrary to God's moral will for our lives. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, the, the fourth commandment to, to remember uh, Shabbat to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like six days you shall work, and then the seventh day you you rest. And so there's this rhythm that's built into creation where we're engaging in this this mandate. Right, we're building, 
we are working, we are tilling the ground, right? Which looks very different in our age than it does, you know, in, in theirs. And, and there are even rest times built into that, right? Because, you know, with, with ancient cultures, it was the sun goes down, you can't work. So you got to just hang out with your family, right? Yeah. And so we have other options, but I think the same principle applies. Like we have to be able to put a Shabbat. We have to be able to cut off uh, what you're talking about, this constant need for information. And, and it look, again, it looks different. We apply this to social media. This applies to so many different things. You mentioned the alcohol thing. Um, if you can't say enough, right, then you don't, if you can't put a Shabbat on that and, and rest and say, I, I don't need this to function, I can stop, right? Then then maybe that's something that God has, a door that God has opened for you. Same thing with social media, right? If, if we can put a, a stop and, and a rest and say, God is still God, right? And, and this is not God, because that's really what this is about is, is and, and, and I think that also goes to what is our definition of holiness? Because holiness in our, in our culture, in our time has taken on this often, this holier than thou, this moral purity, um, which it does involve that God is morally pure, but holiness is about being set apart. So could we turn on our social media could we engage in this in a way that is set apart, right? Are we asking ourselves the question, when I turn this on, when I watch this show, when I engage in this conversation, when I'm a part of this group, am I promoting, to use your word, am I promoting the things of God um, or am I contributing to the promotion of myself or, or something that doesn't honor Christ? And right. I think it's, it, it, it can be holy work. Uh, mm -hmm. if we approach it that way. But again, the, the dangers and, and, you know, about laying down, I mentioned not laying down black and white things, you know, with our parents, I'm like, I don't, I'm not saying your kid can't be on social media on any device, but I don't think your kid should have a phone in their hands before they're like 12 or 13. And, mm -hmm. and then if they don't need it, then they don't need to have it. And again, that's just my rule. It's not for everybody, but I think it's like, you know, it's like driving or it's like, you know, handling certain weapons or whatever. It's like, we don't just put them in kids' hands and let them run around right. with them because they need to learn some responsibility and, and allow their brains and their emotions to form so that they can handle these things. And that's a part of growing uh, biologically mm -hmm. and spiritually. Um, and again, that's applying wisdom and, and attempting uh, in our brokenness, right, by the Holy Spirit to to be made into the image of Christ who, um, and I'll just make this the last thing I say, cause I feel like I'm rambling here. Um, I, I've studied a lot recently, the, the kind of intertestamental period, right? The 400 years between the old Testament and, and Matthew and these groups that were around, um, when Jesus came on the scene, right? You have the, the Hellenists, the, the Herodians who were just fully assimilated into culture. The, the Sadducees don't look any different than anybody else. They are corrupt they're worldly and, and they've, they've lost their witness. And then you've got the Essenes who are out in the desert and they're the ascetics. They they've completely disengaged from culture. And while they're, they're great, they're not really effective. They're, they're sort of, they're removed. They're not engaging with culture at all. Um, you yeah, got the they've Pharisees, lost their voice. They've lost their voice, right. In the, in the culture at large. And then you got the Pharisees who were very much in the middle of things, but, the voice that they have is one of primarily uh, exclusivity and condemnation, and they've lost the plot of, of God's story. And, and then you get the zealots too. And, and, you know, 
anyway, that's mm-hmm. not really pertinent to this conversation. Uh, we can use, I guess, social media in a violent way. But Jesus comes on the scene and he basically says, all right, all of you have different elements here that God is looking to use, but here's how to do it well. Here's how to be in the world, but not of the world. Here's how to engage with brokenness, but not give into it. Um, and here's how to redeem culture and and basically through through my sacrifice and through the way that I'm going to live and die and resurrect, um, I'm going to show you the pattern for how God's going to put the world back together. And yeah. I think if we're following the plot of that story in the way we interact with with these things, including social media, um, I, I think we're going to see God move there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the kingdom of God can come on social media, um, but we need to be very very careful in how we approach it. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, in the last couple of weeks, I have taught one of my kids how to use the table saw. Hmm. And um, that that was a bit nerve wracking for me uh, because, you know, table saw can be potentially very dangerous if you're not using good um, judgment. And even though I'm saying this is how you do it, uh, trusting them to then remember what I've just said and do it that way you know, is, is a, that's, that's the nerve wracking part. Right. And she did fine. She did good with it. But, um, you know, our kids as, as parents, we have to know when the right time to do that is right. So if our five-year-old needs a piece of wood cut, I don't know why a five-year-old would need a piece of wood cut. I'm going to cut the wood for the five-year-old. I'm not going to say, go out and get the table saw and, uh, have at it, you know, um, at the same time, you know, the older kid, I'm going, okay, you know what, you're old enough to learn how to do this. And it's a good skill for you to have. So we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to do this together. And I'm going to show you some stuff. Then we're going to practice and you're going to do it on uh, your actual, uh, you know, stuff that we're trying to make for you. And, um, you know, as parents, we have a responsibility to sort of guide our kids into responsible adulthood and to teach them the skills they need at the right time. Uh, we also know that our kids look at us and learn a lot from seeing us. And this is important, especially with regard to the social media stuff, because if our kids see us on our phone 24 mm-hmm. seven, they're going to want to go, why can't I be on my phone 24 seven? And, uh, or, you know, if uh, every day we come home, we turn on the TV and the TV's on until we go to bed. Well, why can't we just watch TV? You know, if we want our kids not to do certain things, we need to model that in how we behave, which also requires us to show responsibility and restraint ourselves uh, or moderation ourselves in the things that we're doing. So if we tell our kids, you can't have your phone at the dinner table, but then mom and dad have phone on the dinner table. Well, that's not really, that's a sort of self-defeating, you know, it's not really what we need to be doing. So we need to model what we want to model for our kids so that when they watch us, they go, oh, my parents know how to put the phone down to go do this. Or, you know, if our kids come to us to talk to us and we've got our phone in our hand, the whole time we're listening to them, we're scrolling through Facebook because we're old uh, or whatever, right? Uh, And they're talking to us. They think first, I'm not important enough to get their full attention. And second, um, it's, it's okay to multitask instead of really hearing people and seeing people, you know, and engaging with who's there in the present. And so it's important for us, again, as parents to, to recognize these things in ourselves and model what we want our kids to do. 
the last thing I want to mention here is that you you brought up the idea of countercultural stuff. We should be countercultural. Um, I think that sometimes people hear countercultural and they think against culture. And so when they hear countercultural, their idea is everything in culture is bad. And as Christians, we're countercultural. So we do the opposite of everything culture pr promotes. But we have to remember that, um, you know, when scripture talks about being countercultural, it's in reference to sinful aspects of culture, not in reference to everything in culture, right? So according to scripture, government is good. But mm -hmm. in reality, we know that there are corrupt things in government. That doesn't make government bad or all government bad, uh, but we do have to recognize that there are sinful things that happen in government. Uh, in the same way, you know, education is good, but there are some things that happen in the education system that are not so good. Uh, and uh, in our jobs, you know, work is good, but all of us have things that happen at our job that we don't like, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, I was talking to somebody a while back who had a, um, uh, he had a child who was an adult child. So this, this guy is um, uh, senior to me and uh, his adult child is a few years younger than me, but not, not much. Uh, and they worked for a city uh, and uh, the, uh, the city told them to post something on social media that was not true. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person said, I'm not gonna do that. And they ended up firing the person because they weren't willing to uh, promote this false narrative that the city wanted to cover something up. And, um, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate. Uh, and you hate it when that kind of stuff happens to people. But as Christians, that's the kind of stuff we're called to be countercultural on. We don't go, well, my boss said to lie about this, so I'm just going to lie about it. You know, um, part of saying I follow Christ is saying, I stand for the truth because, you know, that's what God wants me to do. And yeah. we have to be willing to take whatever consequences come from making the right kind of choices. So when we're countercultural, uh, what we're really doing is saying uh, there's a message here in culture that is against what we believe to be in line with truth of, um, you know, how the world works, how God created it and all this other stuff. And so we're going to, as Christians, not promote this or stand against this uh, or stand for this. You know, sometimes the truth is standing for something uh, when others in the culture don't want to support that, right? So, you know, as Christians, we often, um, you know, stand against abortion uh, because most of the time abortion is um, uh, promoted as this thing where, you know, well, it's just, you know, it's the woman's body, you know, and Christians were going, no, it's the child's body and the child's body is in the woman, but just because the child's in the woman doesn't make the child less valuable than the woman herself. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, as Christians, you know, we oftentimes, while we, while we take a stand for, you know, against abortion, we don't do as much as we should to promote, say, adoption or to promote um, helping those who choose to have the baby instead of abort the baby to helping them raise the child in the church or in the community and helping them get the things they need when they are, um, you know, underprivileged or whatever else. And so um, being countercultural doesn't just mean standing against one thing. It also can mean standing for something, you know? So uh, I had somebody a while back say to me, 
um, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, they said, you're anti-choice. And I said, no, I'm not anti-choice. I'm pro-life. Uh, I said, it's not that I'm against the woman having a choice. I'm for the child who doesn't have a voice um, being considered um, a valuable human being, even in the womb. Uh, yeah. But then I, you know, I had to admit, you know, I said, but if, you know, if I'm promoting that this child be born, I think I also have a responsibility to say, here's how we can help once the child is born uh, yeah. to continue promoting the welfare and the good, not just of the child, but also of those raising the child. So um, yeah. we should be countercultural. And in the way we uh, work on social media, the way we use social media, uh, it's important for us to um, make sure that we are standing for the right things and not promoting things that are, you know, again, antithetical to Christianity. I don't know how many times I've been on social media in the last six or eight months where a Christian has posted something, you know, a meme or whatever uh, with, um, you know, an inappropriate message on it or something, you know, like, like let's go Brandon, uh, which is to me, um, uh, you know, very childish for one and uh, just un, you know, unprofessional or whatever. But, um, but it's essentially, you know, because of what that means, uh, I think Christians have no basis for posting something like that because it's antithetical to who God's called us to be as followers of Christ. And so as we use social media, we don't want to embrace the sinful aspects of it, uh, but we also want to, um, you know, not be, not be silent on it. So we, we just have to think, you know, everything you post, everything you create, not, not, I mean, I think for the stuff you watch, you should say, you know, how does my participation in this affect me? How does it affect those around me? How does it affect, you know, my relationship with Christ? But for everything you post, you really have to ask yourself, you know, is this something that if I post this brings honor to the Lord or does it, you know, make his name look bad? If I post this, uh, what message does it tell others about the kind of person I am, you know, uh, or, or the kind of person I want to be? And um, if you're asking yourselves these kind of critical thinking questions, uh, hopefully you'll be wiser, not only in the things you, um, you take in, but also in the things you create and put out there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing that you said uh, that really stuck with me and is really the only other thought that I have is um, the the looking at the phone instead of your your child is is very very convicting for me one of the things that we tell students all the time at every gathering we have especially events uh, that are over a weekend or a week is is dis disconnect to connect um, our God is a relational God he is a, a trinitarian uh, perfectly relational within himself but also calls those who are made in his image to be relational as well and if we are I don't think that every relationship that's built on social media is artificial. I think that's another myth that, that is circulated out there that, that social media is only ever these superficial, artificial relationships. Uh, I don't think that's true. Are there a lot of those out there? Yes. And can you get sucked down that rabbit hole of YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or whatever and miss the person that's right in front of you? that the best way, always the best way to communicate and to commune with another person is in person uh, or again, over the phone with your voice, right? Uh, 
Um, and I think we do have to be asking ourselves, are, are the technologies that we're using and the platforms that we're on, are they making us more relational uh, with actual people or are they making us less relational? And uh, families who sit and all, all sit in a room together or, or student you know, youth groups or even adult groups that sit all in a room together, staring at their phones and having just sort of side conversations uh, that's not what God has called us to be as the church or as people. And so I think we have to just be, very, again, very careful, very cautious, and, um, and make sure that we are living out that part of, of who God has created us to be. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, uh, if you work with other people in person, you have a meeting that's called, uh, everybody gets to the meeting. Most people bring their phone to the meeting, right? Sure. But if people are on their phone during the meeting, usually that's looked down upon, that's kind of frowned on, right? And so most people would say, well, I wouldn't do that during the meeting. That's not professional, right? Well, I think in, in the same way, uh, when we're with a group of people, our family, our friends, or, you know, whatever, right? Um, if we're there with them, we don't need to be on our phones because that's uh, sort of unprofessional, not in the work sense, but in the relational sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of, uh, you know, getting together with your extended family for Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know, Easter's coming up. There'll be a lot of families that um, will, you know, well, Easter's coming up in a a number of weeks now, but, um, uh, you know, people go to lunch or whatever with their families and and a lot of times they're extended families. And, um, you know, there are times when it's appropriate to have your phone out. If you've got kids doing an Easter egg hunt and you want to video that, you're going to video that on your phone, right? But when you guys are sitting around the table eating, you don't need to all be on your phones, not engaging with one another. You need to be with one another, be present, talk right. to one another, you know? Um, and you say, you know, what I said was convicting for you. I mean, it's convicting for me too. There's times when I'll be, you know, doing something and one of the kids will come to me and I'll half listen and half try to finish the thing I'm already doing on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, if it's a video I was watching, I almost always will just pause that. But if I am, say, reading a work email, so it's not even always social media, right? I'm, I'm reading an email from work and my kid starts talking to me. And I'm thinking, I got to read this email and listen to this. And I just need to say, you know what? I'm going to set the phone down. Let me give you my attention. And then I'll go back and finish the email. Or I'll say, just a minute, I need to, need to take care of this. And then I can give you my full attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, um, you know, that's so, yeah, it, it, what I said is convicting for me too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Michael, thanks for your time today. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for listening to the Faith and Culture Now podcast. Uh, This week, as you listen to the podcast on social media, no doubt, um, think about how much time you are spending on social media. Is it to the detriment of your relationships around you? Uh, Is it to the detriment of keeping your house clean or, um, you know, getting your work accomplished on time, you know, whatever the case is? and think about whether or not you need to take a, sab- a Sabbath uh, from uh, certain aspects of social media, uh, or think about whether you need to just take some time every day or every week to just sort of decompress. And one of the courses I teach, I actually require my students to fast from social media, uh, including streaming videos, uh, like on Netflix and stuff. And I require them to fast for 24 hours um, and so many students tell me at the end of it, that was so hard, but I needed it. 
Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think we just get into the rut of, uh, you know, this is our habit, this is our pattern, this is what we do. And sometimes being forced to just stop and take a break really helps us realign our priorities and sort of jolts us into this, oh, I need to make this more of a priority to do this more often. So uh, as you go through this week, think about how you're spending your time on social media, whether what you're doing is glorifying to God or whether or not it's negatively impacting your relationship with God or others. And um, if you're contributing stuff to social media, think about how that is also potentially glorifying to God uh, or uh, whether or not the stuff you're promoting is stuff that maybe you should take another look at it and go, you know what? I need to delete these six or seven posts off my page because they're not really reflective of the kind of person that I want to be or that God's calling me to be. So again, yeah. thanks for your time. And yeah. well, thanks uh, so listening. much for having me on Scott. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, we will see you guys again next time on the faith and culture now podcast.